Welcome. Good to see you this morning. There is a cool vibe going on here today. Get that? I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the, the great singing, by the way, or maybe it's Mother's Day. I don't know. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, could be, right? Yeah, okay. Glad that you're with us today. Um, my turn to welcome all of you mothers. Happy Mother's Day. And I know a lot of you are here because of your mothers. What a great way to honor your mom. That is great. Yeah. By the way, your mother wants you here next week, too, just so you know. So, you know, there's that. But, uh, yeah, so happy to have all of our wonderful moms with us today. Now, we take one year in America to thank, to honor, I guess maybe to apologize to our moms Seems like it should be more than just one day, but today's that day, so happy Mother's Day. Heard about a census taker who's going through the neighborhood, and he's knocking on doors, and a mother answers the door, and he, he takes some information from her, and then he asks, do you have any children at home? And she said, yes, we do. We have four children. And the census taker asked her, can I have the names of your children? She said, the names of my kids are Eeny, Meeny, Miney, and George. And he kind of chuckled, and he said, why did you name your fourth kid George? And she said, because I decided I didn't want any mo." <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to come up with a really good Mother's Day joke, by the way. But thank God for our mothers, our first friend, our forever friend, our best friend. You know, life doesn't come with a manual, so thank God it comes with a mom. Uh, take just a couple minutes and watch this video as we, as we kind of honor our moms uh, this morning. For the moms. I am not going to ask our mothers to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to do that. I am going to ask everybody else to stand up. Okay, if you're not a mother, stand up. Now, if you see someone sitting down close to you, I want you to give her a hug right now. If, she's one of, if, if she belongs to you, you can give her a kiss. But every mother gets a hug today. To all of our moms, we love you, we honor you, we celebrate you. Okay. I promised that today, on Mother's Day, we were going to actually wrap up our sermon series in the book of James. And we're going to do that today. And I hope that you have enjoyed this series as much as I have. I hope that you have benefited from this series as much as I have. James has really challenged us in the last two and a half months. He's challenged us in how we persevere through trials. He's talked about how we can improve our relationships, how we deal with our anger, how we deal with uh, ways to better listen. He's talked about the power of our words, how our words have the capacity to hurt and the capacity to heal. Last week, James talked about the power of patience. And this week, we have one last lesson, one last exercise 
for James to share with us, and appropriately, it comes at the very end of his book. And I say it's appropriate that it's at the end of his book because it's information that we really need when we get to the end of our rope, when we feel a little bit burnt out, when we feel like the wheels are coming off. James is going to share some strategies and some information about where and who to turn to. So here's our text for this morning. It's found in the book of James, chapter 5. I'm going to pick it up in verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In case you haven't guessed it, our topic for this morning is prayer. And you probably don't remember it, but last fall we went through a seven or eight week sermon series on the subject of prayer. But I didn't want to leave the book of James and not spend a little bit of time talking about James's take on this important subject of prayer. And you might be thinking, okay, what does prayer have to do with Mother's Day? I'll just say this. When I think of prayer, I think of my mother. My dad, I guess, taught me how to pray, but it was my mom who taught me what prayer was really about, the importance of prayer and the power of prayer. And I know that we're a church family who are filled with women who understand the importance of prayer. Women who, quite honestly, put us men to shame when it comes to their reliance on prayer and their devotion to prayer. It's like the old Randy Travis song, When Mama Prayed, Good Things Happened. When Mama prayed, lives were changed. Abraham Lincoln said, I remember my mother's prayers, and they've always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. So yeah, I am counting a sermon on prayer to fit with a Mother's Day theme as well. And I know, I know what some of you are thinking, okay, prayer, um, not that exciting. Uh, It's not quite as challenging maybe to talk about. Because for a lot of people, prayer comes with kind of conflicting emotions. We have different feelings when we talk about or we think about prayer. For some people, the word prayer is loaded with a sense of obligation. I get kind of guilty when we start talking about prayer because I start realizing I don't pray enough. And I need to be doing that more. And then you, know, you start feeling guilty about that. For some of you, maybe the, the idea of prayer is confusing. Because you hear other people pray and they sound really smart. And they know all the right things to say. And they quote scripture when they pray. But then when I pray, I don't feel like I'm that smart. <laughs> you know, I don't have any scripture to quote when I pray. Uh, So it's just kind of confusing to me. I'm not even sure that I'm doing it right. It's like the little boy who prayed in Sunday school, Our Father who art in heaven, herald be thy name. (laughs) Am I doing it right? It's like folding a fitted sheet. People talk about it. Can anybody really do it? I don't know. 
know. I'm not sure anybody really prays correctly. So, you know, what's, what's the use, really? Maybe for you, you just feel like, I'm, I'm too busy to pray. I saw where the average person makes over 35,000 conscious decisions every single day. Every day, you will make over 35,000 conscious decisions of something to do or not do. And the idea of adding one more thing to that list, one more task to do, do we have time? It's just overwhelming. Or maybe you don't pray because in the past your mind has just always wandered. You know, I, I start, but then I just kind of seem to drift, and I never seem to finish, and you know, I don't know, has your mind ever wondered when you pray? Anyone? Yeah, see, some of your minds wondered already, and you don't even know what I just asked. But yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's true, it just does. Or maybe you've prayed before about a thing or a situation of a, a person, and you didn't get the answer that you were really hoping for. So you've got to be a little bit cynical about prayer, a little bit skeptical. Skeptical. Well, regardless of which of those scenarios might resonate with you, the, the conclusion always seems to be the same. Either we don't pray at all, or we don't take prayer very seriously. And we sort of go through the motions. And what's interesting, and really it's more tragic than interesting, is most people, most Christians don't really feel like their day is missing anything when they don't pray. You know, most Christians don't really feel like my day or the situation or my life is going to play out any differently if I pray or if I don't pray. So, if prayer doesn't make any difference, again, what's the use? Why should I pray? But James, the brother of Jesus, would take exception to that notion. Because James had watched Jesus. James saw Jesus pray. He knew when Jesus would pray. He knew how Jesus would pray. He knew the things that Jesus prayed about. And he takes that information, and he's going to share some of it with us in the book that he is writing, and hopes that we can overcome some of those obstacles and fears and doubts that we might have about prayer. So let me share with you a, a couple observations from James chapter 5 on the subject of prayer. And the first is this. Prayer starts wherever you are. And I don't mean physical location. I mean wherever you are in life. Remember James said, are you in trouble? You need to pray about that. Are you in trouble? Start right there. Are you happy? Praise God. Start right there. That's where you start. Are you sick? Ask people to pray for you. Start right there where you are. James wants you to know that this is an authentic interaction with a God who knows what's going on in your life and cares about what's going on in your life right now, today, this morning. And why that is so important is because so many times when we think of prayer, okay, I've got to go pray, and that means I've got to say the right words, and I've got to follow the right pattern, and I've got to put myself in the right position. And James would say, no, 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 that's not prayer. That's something else, but, but that's not prayer. Prayer isn't just 
about doing it right, about getting the words right, getting the pattern right. James says, no, prayer starts in your heart. Prayer prayer comes from, from a deep, deep place, deep in your soul. I mean, our souls are always aching. Our souls are always longing. Our souls are always speaking. So James says, are you in trouble? Talk to God about that. Are you happy? Thank God for that. Do you have physical needs? Do you have emotional needs? Start right there. Now, we don't have to... We don't have to get prayer right. We just have to open our hearts and open our souls. Allow what's deep within us to come out. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said when he writes about this. It's in Romans chapter 8. And in the same way, by our faith, the Holy Spirit helps us with our daily problems and in our praying. For we don't even know what we should pray for, now, pray for nor how we nor how to pray as we should. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with such feeling that it cannot be expressed in words. I find a tremendous amount of comfort in the fact that the Apostle Paul, who wrote such a big chunk of the Bible, the Apostle Paul says, there are times I don't even know how to pray. There are times I don't even know what to pray for. So what I do is I allow the Holy Spirit to understand the the longing of my soul, the longing of my heart, and connect my heart with God's ear. Paul says that's what prayer is about. Prayer is groaning. It's longing. It's craving. We've all got a lot of stuff going on in our soul, don't we? Disappointment. Anger. Fear. Guilt. Thanksgiving, gratitude, joy. Prayer simply begins when we realize that's where God wants us to start. He already knows, by the way. He already knows what we're consumed with. Start there. Here's something else that James doesn't want us to lose sight of when it comes to prayer. Our prayers are received. They aren't just uttered. They aren't just spoken. They're heard. They are received by God. Now, sometimes when we pray, it's easy to wonder, is God even paying attention to me? Because there's a lot of people in this world. There's a lot of important things going on. And I'm just one little person. Is God really paying attention to my prayers? Well, James would give us some pretty concrete answers to that. Uh, James said in verse 15, And the prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. In other words, James says, God is absolutely paying attention to what you're saying. God is absolutely listening. You might not always believe it, and you might not always feel it, but God's listening to you when you pray. You know, of all the things that Scripture talks about God doing, of all the action that the Bible talks about God having, what the Bible talks about more than anything else of God doing is listening. From Genesis right through Revelation, God hears over and over and over again. It talks about a God who hears His people. 
So we pray because we trust that God is listening to me. And that God's listening not just to my words, but to my heart. Because like Paul, I'm not exactly sure how to say what I want to say, but I got something to say. You know, sometimes when you, when you send a text, you'll get a no- notification on your phone that says sent. You know, right? Text somebody, send, sent. But then you wonder, okay, it's sent, but did the person get it? I mean, have we made a connection? I don't know. Did they see this? But depending on how everybody has their phones set up, every now and then you'll hit send and you'll get a little notification that says read. Okay, good. Not only was it sent, it was received, and I know that this person read it. So, okay, now I feel like we've made a connection. That's a good thing. James wants you to know every single prayer you have ever prayed in your life has been received by God. He has heard every single prayer you have ever uttered. Your prayers are received. Which brings me to James's next observation, and it's an important one. Our prayers can change reality. What you pray today can change what happens tomorrow. Your prayers can actually change the very fabric of reality. They make a difference. It's an amazing verse that, J- that James writes. He says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It's really important. Say that out loud with me. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Turn to the person beside you and say that. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I hope you said it like you mean it. Do you mean it? Do you really believe what you just said? Do you really believe what the person sitting beside you just told you that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective? Your prayers can change reality. There's this great scene in Jesus' ministry. It's Mark chapter 9. Jesus heals a boy who's been possessed by a demon. And the disciples are there, and the disciples had tried to drive the demon out of this boy, but they couldn't do it. So Jesus comes and he performs this miracle. And after the miracle, the disciples ask Jesus, why couldn't we do this? You know, we we tried to do this, but we weren't successful. Do you remember what Jesus' answer to them was? Yeah, this kind only comes out through prayer. Now that puzzled the disciples, and it sort of puzzles us. And I'm not exactly sure what Jesus meant when he said that. But what I think he meant was there was a a different level of power required here. There was a different level of influence required here. There is a power that is available to us when we pray. And I think Jesus is telling us There is a power that's available to us only when we pray. The Christian writer Beth Moore said, There are parts of our calling. There are works of the Holy Spirit. There are defeats of darkness that will come no other way than through furious, 
fervent, faith-filled, unceasing prayer. Some things only happen when we pray. And I think James would agree with that. Now, this doesn't mean that God's always going to answer our prayers exactly like we want Him to answer our prayers. We've talked at length about this. Sometimes God says yes to the desires of our heart. Sometimes He says no. Sometimes He says wait. I think quite often God says, I've got a better way. I hear you. I understand the desire of your heart. But would you trust me to know what I'm doing? I have a better way. Because God always sees the big picture. God always sees the whole story. A redemption. That's the ultimate goal. Forgiveness. That's the ultimate goal. Salvation. That's the ultimate goal. To live a life in tune with the heart of God. To walk in the will of God. To follow the Son of God. That's the big win right? That's what God wants. So James makes it clear that we have a God who can and does answer prayer. By the way, you know this is a 242 thing, right? You recognize that, right? This should be coming back to you. We talked at length about this, that as a congregation, there were things that we wanted to be more intentional about. And one of the things we wanted to be more intentional about was devoting ourselves to prayer devoting ourselves to this very thing that James is talking about. Which actually brings me to my last point when we talk about prayer from James 5, and that is we need people who will pray for us. We all desperately need people who will pray for us. And by the way, you only get that in a church family. You don't get that when you're out on your own. You get that when you're connected to the body. One of my dad's favorite songs, old hymns, was I Need the Prayers of Those Who Love Me. He went around singing it all the time. I need the prayers of those who love me. I need the prayers of those who care. And those were the only lines that he knew. He made up the rest of the song. But he sang it all the time. But it's true. We need the prayers of people who love us. Because the reality is sometimes... Sometimes the pain's just too great. Sometimes the grief is is too recent. The, The guilt is too raw. Sometimes I just don't have the words. I don't have the stamina. I don't have the faith. I need people who will pray for me, who will pray with me. In our text, James says, if you're sick... You need to call the elders of the church to pray over you. And then he actually broadens that blessing when he says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We just all uh, affirmed that uh, a couple of minutes ago. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I asked you if you believed that. And the reason I asked that is because I'm not sure we always live like we believe that. And I'm not sure we always pray like we believe that the fervent prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We underestimate the power of God when we underestimate the power of prayer. A God who has promised us that he will do more than we could ever ask or even imagine. More than we could ask. 
more than we could imagine. Which means one of the greatest things that I can do for you, one of the greatest things you can do for me, one of the greatest gifts that we can give each other, greatest question that we can ask each other, can I pray for you? Would you mind if I pray about that for you? Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he sinned, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I want to do something this morning. I'm going to ask our elders to stand up. Our shepherds, just stand right where you are. These are your shepherds. If you're sick, you need to be asking these men to pray for you. Well, I want the elders' wives to go ahead and stand up as well. I know all of these women. They're godly women. They would be honored to pray with you and for you. Angie, our children's minister, stand up. Martha, my wife, stand up. Aloha, on staff here, stand up. All of our deacons, would you please stand up? If you're a deacon, stand up. Your wives, stand with your husbands. If you are involved in a 242 group, any kind of 242 group, a Bible study, a prayer group, anything, would you stand up? If you receive vital concern, if you receive prayer requests, would you stand up? Get them on your email, get them a text, whatever. I want you to look around the auditorium. Those of you who are sitting, those of you who are standing. You ever get a place in your life and say, I just need somebody to pray with me. I need somebody to pray for me. Who do I ask? These are the people you ask. These are the people who have said, I would be honored to pray with you. I would be honored to pray for you. Go ahead and take a seat. Thanks. Listen, we have got to have that focus. We've got to have that commitment, that 242 focus to devote ourselves to prayer. We've got a prayer room over here right as you're entering the Family Life Center to the right. There's an office, then through that office there's another small room. It's a prayer room. Most of you probably don't know it's there, have never been there. That room ought to be used all the time. You need to just, if nothing else, walk in there and check it out. It's not locked. You don't need a special password or special permission. It's for you. It's for us. There ought to be people in that room praying every time our doors are open. Now, when we talk out here in the lobby and we share what's going on in our lives, why don't we say, let's step into the prayer room and pray about that. Just a quiet room. Let's take just a minute or two. Let's pray about that. We've got to get that mindset of, I'm going to go to God first. And if you share with me and I tell you I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to take that commitment seriously. And if you tell me you're going to pray for me, I know I'm going to be blessed 
by what God's going to do in answer to your prayers. So we need to be in the habit of using that prayer room. I mentioned vital concerns. So many of you stood up. We talk about vital concern all the time. We don't always explain what it is. It's just a tool that we use. It's a way for members here of Bay Area to receive some announcement, but the overwhelming majority of the information there is prayer requests, prayer concerns. You'll get it daily on an email. I just found out this week it's an app as well. You can put it on your phone, which is really user-friendly. I think George called it a prayer request in your pocket or something like that. And in real time, if someone says, would you pray for me, you can stop what you're doing and pray for that person. Or if you've got something going on in your life, you say, oh, I'm going to put it on vital concern. And everybody that was just standing up, they're going to pray for you. And the prayer of a righteous person, what is that? That's powerful and effective. If you don't have vital concern, today's the day to get it. Okay, we always say get it. Okay, well today we're making it easy. Martha's going to be out at a table out there. Just stop by. All you need, all we need, is your name and an email address, and then you'll be added to Vital Concern. It's like I said, it's a closed group. It's uh, it's protected. Our privacy is protected. But as a church family, we want to be praying together. We want to be aware of each other's needs. If you believe in prayer, you need to expect God to hear you. And if you believe in prayer, you need to expect God to help you. When we pray, God goes to work. Whatever prayer you pray this morning will be received. God will hear that prayer, and He will respond. Now, we close sermons different ways. Usually we stand and sing. Sometimes I pray. This morning we're going to close with a prayer, but I'm not going to lead it. Instead, I want all of us to pray. I want you just right where you're sitting, just close your eyes, bow your head, go to God in prayer. Maybe it's a confession. Maybe it's a praise. He knows what's on your heart. And I know it's awkward. I know you're like, okay, what happens? You know, when is this going to be over? Just Open your heart, open your soul. Allow God to know where you are right now. We're going to pray together for just a minute or two, and then we'll sing together.